Hey everybody, this is Grant Vickery, and you're listening to Two Dads Named Grant, a podcast where Grant Overman and I try to figure out how to be better fathers and husbands by being better men. In this episode, we're discussing the APA's Guidelines for Psychological Practice with Boys and Men, a document that I'll admit I have some issues with, at least at first. I do start coming around towards the end. We're going to discuss this in some detail in the coming episodes as well, so if you'd like to look at the document and share your thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at tdngcast at gmail.com or on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at tdngcast. All right, you're okay. recording and I'm recording, yes. right? Yes, All right. I'm recording. So today what we're looking at is the APA's guidelines, and these came out in August of 2018, right? I, I know they did because I'm looking at the, the cover page. Um, so they did. Uh, <laughs> the APA's uh, guidelines for psychological practice with boys and men. Now, my background is in English and teaching English and rhetoric, so basically no one knows what I do, including me. Um, but your background uh, is in some psychology stuff. So, uh, will you tell us a little bit about the APA to sort of start yeah, things off? Absolutely. So the American Psychological Association, that's what the APA is. And it's probably, it's not the only governing bar- body for psychological research and practice in the United States, but it's the biggest and most well-known. And if you are trained by an APA accredited program and you're practicing following APA guidelines, then you are following the highest like body of best practices that the field pretty much has to offer. Uh, they, they do other things too. They publish journals and do peer review and all that kind of scientific stuff. And so they will every once in a while put out specific guidelines um, or maybe not so specific, but pretty broad in general guidelines <laughs> for a population or a specific type of disorder or, you know, just some type of practice and say, this is, we've gathered a bunch of research. We've looked at all the available practices and we think these are the best guidelines. And then as a practitioner or teacher or whatever, you're supposed to take those and act accordingly. Uh, Before we get into what they talk about specifically, the reason that we wanted to talk about this so that I wanted to talk about this is one that it's obviously very relevant given that you and I were once both boys are now men and I have a young boy and you soon will. Yes. So all true. It, it, it's very relevant, but also it, it's relevant to some topics that we have covered in the past. And we want to talk about maybe on the next couple episodes, which are a continuation kind of of this idea of what culturally do men in our culture anyways, have to deal with what kind of narratives are there around them, good and bad, what kind of uh, things kind of impact or affect or afflict us in whatever capacity there. But, But also a little bit this idea of mental health, which is why, duh, we picked the APA, and, and how that affects men specifically. And, th- and that kind of also goes along with kind of the other half of our dis- overall discussion, right, which is, you know, being a good father, being a good husband, a big part of that is, you know, caring for yourself and being the best version of yourself you can be. So before we get into it specifically in that context, I want to just mention a couple things about men's mental health and why, because, you know, the first question might be, why do they even need to put out guidelines for working with men and boys other than they make up, you know, roughly half, half the of the population, yeah, right? I, so that's I do a pretty have a question big about that I'm, because yeah. 
it seems to me, and you can explain to me how this isn't the case if it's not the case, but it seems to me like this is a bunch of liberal elitists who are trying to tell me how to be a man. Um, yeah, yeah, it might be that. It depends on, I don't know what their political leanings are. I would say they probably are elitist because they're super well educated and very well paid for what they do. So well, I don't, I was, make, I was making that. a joke. I was not, you're making a joke, yeah. but I'm being a little serious. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a valid question to say, how could a group of people, even with some research kind of speak for all men? And I, this is, you'll, we'll, we'll jump to criticisms later. It, it, it could be, I think a valid criticism of this specific document that it maybe doesn't do a good enough job. Um, talking about how individual differences come into play. It definitely mentions them, but also the scope of this isn't to say, let's speak, and we've talked about this before too, let's speak for every man everywhere right. in their it's experience. It's like, what are, the, what are the broad trends that we see? But yeah, I mean, this is something that is definitely kind of given from on high and said, this is the way that we believe psychologists, researchers, practitioners teachers should kind of view this based on and it's not just based on something they've made up it's based on the research but as i'm sure we'll talk about there's there's all kinds of bodies of research and some of it appears to conflict but one thing that i think everyone can arrive at a consensus on is that there is a large mental health kind of problem with men specifically they're not the only ones but but there's a large one Right, um, and, the, and you're the, not just talking about toxic masculinity, right? Like that, no. that may be part of it, but you're also talking about like what what are the other factors of that mental health problem that that you that is that you're saying is uh, uh, afflicting men? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's a great point because we should say I'm, I'm not just talking about like what is it about men that's bad and wrong, um, although that there might be some things some of that that this touches on, but um, overall in the United States, one in five adults will experience a mental health problem each year. Of some kind. So this is a very relevant thing for everybody, right? Some sort of mental health problem, whether it's a diagnosable disorder or just kind of a general life event. You know what I mean? You might not be clinically depressed, but you might be going through a depressive episode or period, right? Or sure. Like that. You, can, you can do both. So one in five people overall, regardless of gender in the United States, um, and men are certainly a big part of that, although men are much less likely to be diagnosed with things like anxiety and depression because men typically don't display the most commonly associated symptoms. So, for instance, with depression, men don't tend to show the sadness uh, that you associate with that as much. They tend to more, they're more likely to report fatigue, irritability, and loss of interest in work or hobbies, which are all equal uh, symptoms of depression. But right, sadness but, and worthlessness but not is the one that's culturally symptoms of depression, right? Right, the, the right. Word exactly. depressed has two meanings, right? It has a clinical meaning, and it has like a you know, I watched my dog skip, and it made me so depressed, you know. Right. Yeah, and 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 men in general are less likely to seek any kind of help, like physical, you know, aid or mental aid. Like they don't go to the doctor as much as they should. I hate the doctor. Pretty much for the record. Yeah, I mean, most people do, but like. I in America, at least, yeah, men men tend to not go, and they tend to, and part of that is a unwillingness overall, or more of an aversion to asking for help. A lot of it is also just an underreporting of symptoms in general. Like I feel really terrible, or I feel a lot of pain, but I'm going to make it sound like less than it is. So of yeah. course, that's harder did, to diagnose. Did I tell you that I went to get actually the uh, the Tdap um, vaccine the other day? We've done an episode on vaccines, is part of why I bring it up. But while while I was at the CVS. The, the, um, I don't know if she's like a nurse practitioner or, I, you know, but the, the woman who's 
administering the shot was asking questions while she was getting everything ready. So she was like, who is your primary care physician? And I was like, uh, I, I don't know. And she said, is it this person? <laughs> and I said, I went to that doctor one time because my wife made me go. And, <laughs> and so, a tale as old as time. Yeah. My so, wife made me do it. So yeah. then, but get this, this is the, this is the part that like, I was like, hold, hold, hold the phone. She says, well, men of a certain age really ought to be going to the doctor once a year, at least for an <laughs> annual checkup. And I was like, okay. Like outside, I was like, okay, that's fine. But inside it's like alarms are going on. Like, men of a certain age. Does that I, include me now? <laughs> of a certain age. What is this euphemism you're talking about me with? Like, ah, I was, I was deeply, deeply upset. And I think that's really funny. And I think we can say that the reason men don't go to the doctor is because doctors are evil and they want to poison you with. Yeah, their they're poison. basically dark wizards, right? <laughs> they, yeah, they, that's are, what they are. They're dark. They're dark <laughs> evil wizards, and everybody knows that the dark evil wizard is. And they also have those weird offices, you know, with the crappy magazines. I just uh. yeah. I think all magazines are kind of like there's a base level of crappy that every single magazine we've moved on really sure. from if magazines, good, but they continue to linger. They continue to to linger. I think that's not if it's good. That's just if it's not really published by a publisher. <laughs> if if a college student's <laughs> making it at the Xerox place on their campus, then it's a yeah. But those are fascinating though. Those are it, we we're we're digressing, and it's my yeah. fault. I apologize. <laughs> no, we're, it's okay. Yeah, see, you're you're reluctant to talk about, uh, you know, how you're a certain age and you have health problems now, right? So well, it's because exactly, I, I mean, everyone's a certain age. So yes, I am in the larger category of everyone, and I have zero health problems because I'm in perfect health, <laughs> and I'm basically 19. So, so the implications of men being harder to diagnose and um, not seeking help as much, like that's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Or it's underreported, like, right? Yeah, yeah, men are m- more likely. Uh, than women, approximately one in five men develop alcohol dependency during their lives. Um, it, it's all of this stuff is higher for uh, homosexual men compared to heterosexual men, and we'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about the APA's guidelines. But this is on the rise. When it is reported, it's it's on the rise, and also suicide. That's the big thing for men is is the vast majority of successful suicides, which is a weird way to say it. So, oh, but the, we can use the language that the. Thing uses which is completed suicide completed suicide I, right I like, yeah i like that better than that is better yeah because, so so yeah. completed suicide it's the seventh seventh leading cause of death among uh men in the united states has been on the rise since uh the 2000s and it's more than four times as many men as women die by suicide yeah in the US. it's right behind being nagged to death isn't it <laughs> uh, right we, behind your my wife murdering you for we, saying we she can, nags you to death. we can cut that that's fine yeah <laughs> You um, laughed at it, so you're guilty. <laughs> and I'm just laughing because I'm imagining what's going to happen to you and how <laughs> no. it would never happen to me because I've never been nagged. Um, wow. <laughs> factors you that can't can laugh influence that. men. You can't say I've never been nagged then laugh. Come, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Bad move. I've, rookie, I've rookie mistake. every time I've been nagged. I can I can tell you that. that stories, it's been... stories changing, buddy. You just keep digging <laughs> with that shovel. <laughs> And so factors include saying terrible things um, that your wife won't like on a podcast Mm -hmm. that can lead to it. But also uh, things like social isolation, substance abuse I talked about, and unemployment, trauma, genetic predisposition, which are things that are true for a lot of people. But for men, again, if you're not reporting it or you're underreporting it um, or it's not being diagnosed, it it leads to some pretty serious outcomes. And so – and we've we've touched on this a little bit too where we feel like a lot of the negative aspects of – men and masculinity and those kind of gender norms are focused on and 
not so much what to do with it, right? It's just kind of a don't do these things, and then it's left alone. And I think that's kind of symptomatic of this whole trend of that men are complicit in, right? Which is that we don't talk about these things, uh, hence our podcast. So that's kind of just the background for it. There is actually a little bit of um, an issue. I don't know if crisis is the right word. I think that that many suicides constitutes a crisis, but also everything is a crisis nowadays. So yeah, you know, it's it doesn't like feel genuine when you gate, say that, right? Mingate. Right, exactly. Which, exactly. That's what we'll title Min- the episode, right? I'm calling yes. it right now. Mangate. Yeah. Mangate's Man better. Mangate. Exactly. I like it. So um, We're all a little bit Nixon on the inside. Yeah. I, so I'm interested to hear from you, just kind of your initial impression of, before we get into details, just the picture they paint of what they describe as the, the, the broad issues other than those outcomes. But the underlying issues is kind of what they're getting at. Um that they see that their research is borne out and kind of what your initial response to that, if you think that that kind of uh, jives with your personal experience at all, maybe, or if you just think that that's backed up by other things that you know, do you think that's their claims are relevant or valid? That's a big question. Um, that is a big question. So we, we, we can break it down more. So what are, are your are just you, initial Are you asking initial what, what's my initial response? Do I think to it's what valid they or say or the underlying causes? And you can talk a little bit about what those underlying causes are. Well, yeah, um, let's just look at some issues. bolded headings going through here. Um, so the, I think one thing that we should note it, that it's important to me to note, because I'm, I'm notorious for not notorious in circles that no one runs in and empty circles. I'm notorious for. Um, not being very charitable to texts. Uh, I was criticized for that freshman year at ACU by Rachel Phillips Buck um, in my U100 class because I did not like Blue Like Jazz by... um, uh, Donald Miller? uh, Yeah, uh, hipster guy. um, Who, you know, oof, I still don't like it. I still don't like him, (laughs) so there you go. Uh, but I, she said, you know, pulled me after the sign after class one time and said, you're not very charitable to this text. You need to strive for a charitable reading to see what can you get from this. And I said, okay, but what I really was thinking is that what I can get from this is like, you know, I get to rip it apart and that's what makes me happy. So <laughs> whatever survives, that's, that's what you yeah, can get from this text. Yeah. I, I, I tell my student, and this is, you know, um, uh, I'm, I have just bought me socks at one point that say skepticism on them. Um, because the, the way that I kind of view it is that the truth and things that aren't the truth look very similar. And so if you take a baseball bat to all of it, the truth is made of steel and it does not bend and not truth is made of not steel and does bend. Um, you know, it'd be really hard for me to knock down the concept of two plus two, um, because it's true. So, well, you know. We won't well, get things that are yeah. We won't get into the, the things that are worthwhile can stand up to intense scrutiny, right? And if they don't, then they probably didn't offer you that much, or they were a flat out lie, or right. just wrong. And maybe and not. We, they might not be malicious. And we all know but. that like we have uh, uh, biases that when we hear something we want to be true, we're likely to believe it. Like if it agree, if we agree with it, then we're like that's great evidence because it. I agree anyway. So I yeah, all that to say, the very first thing they say here, um, it uh, when they're when they're doing this, like the introductory section is perp in their purpose and scope section, which I appreciate that they have a scope section is that they, they talk about what they mean by guidelines. And this is quote from page two guidelines differ from standards in that standards are mandatory and may be accompanied by an enforcement mechanism. Thus guidelines are aspirational in intent and they are intended to facilitate the continued systematic development of the profession to help assure a high level of professional practice 
by psychologists. Now, is that horrifically bad writing, like deeply offensively bad writing? It most certainly (laughs) is. Do I appreciate the sentiment that they're saying, hey, we have two standards here. Um, and one standard we call standards. And these are the things that you have to you have to do. Guidelines are not standards. These are things that we think are probably true. And this is us trying to move forward. But we're in kind of unknown ground here. So we're not going to like ding you if you don't agree right. with us here. They, they follow up right after that, right? By saying they're not meant to supersede uh, the decision making and judgment in the moment of an individual professional, right? Right, and I, if and you I and your appreciate that. Judgment deem something to be outside of this or maybe be a little different, then you know it doesn't mean you're going to become come afoul of their like I was talking about accreditations, or you're not going to be within what they're saying you should do. So sure, which which I could they have said it more simply and better? Absolutely. Do I appreciate that they're saying this is what we think, but we're how I read that is hedging, right? We're pretty sure, but we're not absolutely sure. Right. Um, and, 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 and you and have to read, read it charitably, right? It would way. say, hey, we, we took our best stab and this looks pretty good to us, but we realize that it might not be the end all be all to everything. Right. And if you apply that to the rest <laughs> of the document, then the document works a lot better for me. But definitely the rest of the document is very, I would say, self-assured in tone. And the certainty of this document does, it does get on my nerves a little bit because if we're looking at the bolded headings and their definitions, which like all good philosophy, they, they begin by defining their terms. I appreciate that. They define gender, yes, cisgender, gender bias, gender role strain, masculinity ideology, gender role conflict, oppression, privilege, psychological practice, and gender sensitive gender sensitive gender sensitive is when you don't make fun of redheads but gender sensitive is what they're talking about here yeah or you don't drink Canada um, dry because it makes you itchy that's that's right because it might anyway so that's all the stuff that they define and if you're just looking at at those words alone and then the def and also the definitions that they give then these are these are the words that i hear every day at work at georgia state these are these are the concerns of people who are the farthest left, right? Um, and and on the political spectrum, I fall on the right side of things. You know, I and I'm not I'm not a libertarian. The popular thing in academia is to be like super liberal or a libertarian. You know, but I'm I'm not. I'm just like regular, like I would say center right. Um, and my wife would roll her eyes and say, "No, you're way farther right than center." But. Um, <laughs> Everyone thinks of themselves as center something, right? Sure. It's true for some of us, like probably, right? (laughs) If you're thinking of you, then you're not. You're a a big liberal. Um, No, I was just saying in general, (laughs) among the population, at least some of us have got to be center. Somebody's got to be in the middle. But anyway, if anybody's talking to me about like cisgender, I'm assuming I'm hearing this at Georgia State as, you know, and and I share a floor with the Women and Gender Studies Department, right? So like... I don't, I don't have, I'm familiar with these words and I don't have enmity towards them. Um, it's just, I'm used to these words coming from a very overtly political place coming out of the, the, yeah, that makes the Frankfurt sense. school and, and where like Marx is not a dirty word at all. Like it is kind of in the, the general parlance, right? If you call right. something Marxist, people are like, oh, that's terrible. But like, <laughs> if you don't, if you haven't read Marx, you're really not prepared to have a discussion at a PhD pro uh, on the PhD level for, for comp rat. So right. like it's, it's foundational reading. 
So I'm I'm used to all these things being here. It kind of like psychology is on on the it's on the fence between science and not science, right? Because they have scientific methodologies, but the things that they're studying are always far more multifaceted than right. things like chemistry or sure. physics, right? Well, and it's hard to collect hard data on yes. things like that when it's hard to nail down even a definition and then measuring it relies on something like self-report or and all those different kind of things because they might be re referring to something that is not the same definition as you or maybe they, like we just talked about, if men are reluctant to report their feelings and you go ask them about their feelings, maybe that's You're not, not exactly data. strong data. Yeah, sure. So it, it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that already just reading something like this and in the introduction, even though you might you, you get what they're getting at to the beginning, it already kind of has your hackles up a little bit because you're worried this is going to be some sort of political statement on maleness as a like political entity right you know as yeah. related to whatever which which i think is very fair because i think that in the you know just general like social zeitgeist right like that's kind of how it is it's like you either you know, you're to the right if you think men are men and women are women and boys and girls are different. And you're to the left if you think it doesn't matter and everybody has does whatever and can call yourself whatever, which is a caricature of it. Right. But that's kind of what you see out there on social media, on cable news or whatever. Right. Like that if you express something, you know, in one certain realm, you're autom automatically thrown into it. So you hear a word like privilege or cisgender and you're like, well, I automatically know what you're going to say. Right, you know, and I don't. And I, don't I think either agree with it or disagree wrong with about it, it either. Right. Generally, well, right, yeah, you might not disagree, but you you've already jumped to what it is because that's become almost like some kind of cliche or something like that. I, that make am I am I hearing you right? You you are. I would go a little okay. bit further to say that there are older and more clearly drawn battle lines that exist around this topic, and to avoid sounding cliched, you have a lot of neologisms to approach it. So the older, more clearly drawn battle lines are nature versus nurture, right? right. Uh, I think that's kind of kind of the very clear one. And the reason nobody wants to use that is because people the the what the response tends to be well, it's about fifty fifty, or it's a mix of the two, right? If you, I, I would if you jump in to clarify that the the general purview now is that it's not so much it's either or or you know we can explain 50% of the variance with one and 50% of the other and then it's more a complex interaction uh between the two so if we're talking just like genetics already i mentioned genetic predisposition like you're genetically genetically predisposed to something but your environment is not only going to affect like how you're socialized right and what behaviors are reinforced but also how your genes are even expressed and then when your genes are expressed that affects how you then act which affects affects excuse me how your environment reacts to you right so that to me is different than saying well it's half this and half that it's it, it's it's a process rather than a like tallying of which is which sure and, does and, that make sense yeah and, and this and, is very, and so, there's but, a lot of hard science behind that too right like yeah, research into yeah. epigenetics and sure exactly it, and so it's a something that's almost not necessarily been put to the side but i think it's kind of almost like a pause button has been pushed because it's like, well, it's so much more complex than we used to think it was in there that we need to gather more information about these underlying mechanisms before we can attribute it to one or the other. But I think that goes right to your point where it's like that's a whole other discussion, right, that you have before you even get to this one. Well, I, I no, I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a different discussion. 
Oh, okay. I think it's I think it's the same discussion. I just think that they're using different words here from the default position of yes, gender is socially constructed. It's the the social constructionist viewpoint that everything that we consider natural is actually learned behavior. That's that's how I would define the social constructionist viewpoint, which is reductive. I you know, mm-hmm. but go read a paper on it, right? Like <laughs> if you, if you want the non-reductive version, it's boring and it takes a million years. Um and that the way that gender has been constructed is problematic. And we can demonstrate that it's problematic. Um, or we can we can make all these claims about gender bias and make and about toxic masculinity, which this is this is how I'm I'm like look this is my political projection onto it, you know, right. acknowledging that. What here's what here's what I suspect they're gonna do. I suspect what they're gonna do is they're gonna say, look at how men are killing themselves. And look at how, you know, men who are police officers are have such high rates of uh, spousal abuse. And look at all these problems with men. And that means that the whole idea of masculinity as strength or being long-suffering or working to protect or provide for your family, all those things need to go away. Mm. That, like, you need to be present as a father— but the way that you need to be present is in a matriarchal way, right? How how often have you played Inya for your son and asked him how he felt about his day and to use only colors to answer, right? That's my 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 immediate reaction to this when I when I look at it is this is this is basically a dog whistle for the only good man is a neutered man. That's mm. that's the way I that's the way I feel when I read their definitions of these terms and when I look at the way that they're using language. All right, so in light of that, then, the overall thrust, I would say, of before they get into specific kind of... Rec- and there's not a lot of specific recommendations, because like they said, it's not necessarily meant to inform your practice. It's more of a summary and general kind of reading of the situation, right? Um, sure. Because it's not guidelines, or it's guidelines rather than... Um, I'm already forgetting the term that they use. I can um, scroll to right here. Guidelines or different standards. Standards, right? Okay, so they're not setting standards, they're setting guidelines and like a a context for you to view your practice. And they have a couple recommendations they make. So in light of even with your immediate reaction or in the context of your immediate reaction, to me, the, the main thrust of this is that there are certain gender norms that exist for men that obviously there's variance within it. I think the term they use is a constellation of standards for what a prototypical and um, what a man should look like, the prototypical man should look like in the United States. And the more rigidly you adhere to those, right, and and the less room there is to move within that, the more likely you are going to exhibit all sorts of uh, disruptive and, um, dis, not disorderly, uh, disruptive and problematic behaviors and have all these symptoms and be prone to all sorts of like negative outcomes is basically like the really super short version of that. And so... Yeah, I and, and yeah, I, I read that. That's what they're saying. So then I want to know what is your response? Is that something that you're buying? No. Is that something that you're not buying at all? No, okay, I'm, so then I'm talk not to bu- me about I'm not buying at all because I think that the level of analysis is wrong. Like straight out the bat, okay? Or straight out of the gate to not mix my metaphors. Off the bat, out of the gate. Yeah. Prepositions are hard. Um so, first of all, we live in a less gender normed time than we used to, right? Like Sure. Uh, um, I, I remember when I went on my first movie date 
um, in the ninth grade, uh, I didn't know what to wear. And my brother, who was cooler and knew more about girls and like dressing to impress girls than me, like dressed me in some of his clothes, which fit horribly. And, you know, it was it was bad. Right. Um, but he he put me in a very at the time. And you won't believe this about Tyler Vickery fashion forward pink shirt. OK, <laughs> now in ninth, in ninth grade, it was 2002. OK, uh, uh, men did not wear pink shirts. And there was a car that drove by with a bunch of guys in it. And they rolled their window down. And I'm like, I'm super nervous because I'm in ninth grade. I had to get dropped off by my older brother I'm waiting for my date. His clothes don't fit. It's my first date ever. And they rolled the window down and it went, nice pink shirt. Right? <laughs> if I wore a rainbow shirt with kitties on it now, no one would say anything. Like... We we have we have progressed, and I think generally in a good way. I'm not complaining about this. I think we have come a really long way in terms of relaxing gender norms about superficial things, right? Like, hey, you're See, a man and you like to garden. Yeah, that's great. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. You're a man and you want to wear you know a pink shirt. That's a that's a great thing. Go, you go right ahead. I think we've come a long way in that regard, and I don't think you have to look at the results of that change to call it a good change right because it the, the merits of the change are liberty and self-expression and individuality and not being totally constrained by culture i think that's all good right right i would i would push back a little bit in saying and and they, they talk about this a little bit in here but while we are a more um permissive society accepting society maybe is a better way to say it that not as much of a load of word loaded word a more we're more accepting society i don't think that that has been extended to men as much as it has been to women i also think it, I agree. it, it depends greatly upon the context and circles in which you run so you just talked about how super incredibly left and liberal most of the people you go to work with are you know i would say where i go to work that is the opposite. Now, people can, of course, wear pink shirts. It's also a college campus, so there's a lot of people wearing all kinds of stuff that I look at with right, utter disdain. Right, right. Our and views disgust. are going to color this a lot. <laughs> mostly, mostly just because of my age, but also, you know, I'm in, uh, I mean, you're in Georgia, you're in the South, but outside of your university, you know what I mean? Like, if you just go out in public where you live, likely that's a pretty different standard for that. And there's somewhere in here, and I didn't write it down, so I've got to look and find the exact thing where they're talking about how often men report feeling this way um, within their research, feeling like they are constrained by their, uh, they feel what they've de defined as gender role strain, right? Which is when it, they define it as a psychological situation in which gender role demands have negative consequences on the individual or others. So basically there's a gender role kind of norm. You don't fit it in some way or you're not living up to it. And then you, you suffer ne negative consequences. So, um, Again, I've, this is terrible because I can't find it in here. But I know that there's a high number of men who are reporting that they feel this way. So right, I, I don't think right. that that do, jives with the idea it's that it's a lot. that it that it's more. I mean, it is. We are more permissive. I don't think you can argue that. But I don't think it's like well, the whole thrust of their argument must be wrong because nobody actually cares about this. So they've just decided people care about it. I think even if the perception men perceive that people care more than they do, like they're at least perceiving something, you know, they're experiencing a 
negative consequence of violating gender roles, whether it's completely in their own mind or they're actually feeling it from outside of that. Sure. And, and, and yeah, no, I, I think that does make sense. And I don't, I don't want to make the claim that I think we have arrived at any like okay good place. Okay, then, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we're, I don't think we're, we're there at all, especially sure. because I would a hundred percent agree. We're trending the way you're describing yeah, it for sure. Yeah. I, I think, mm-hmm. I think we're trending that way, but my expectation would be that if we're trending towards less gender role strain based on a reduced emphasis on masculinity ideology to use some of their terms or gender role conflict right mm-hmm. yeah. if if we have less gender role conflict than we used to then that should mean that mental health problems were trending the other way if gender role conflict were the source of those mental health problems um but i don't unless the problem is that like I was saying, that you, that may be the case that things are more permissive, but for whatever reason, most men don't allow. And they talk about this in the, in the thing too that you you feel it both from yourself and you feel it from other men. Like you, if you adhere to a rigid definition of it, you respond not only to your own experiences, but like if others are violating it too, you respond negatively to that. So, it, okay, society no, as a whole yeah, contribute that does make, and, and that men makes sense. so. I guess what I'm reading in this is that maybe we're all going that way, but men haven't quite gotten there yet as much as maybe women have. Let me say this back. You tell me if if I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly. Is that because we are trending towards a more open and less gender-specific set of standards for both men and women, um, that— that means that men who want those specific standards or who still like cling to those specific standards are put into kind of like a, a very difficult position in terms of their psychological well-being. Like it, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. That's and, I would, what, and that's I would what I, that. if I'm understanding what they're saying in this, that's what, what, that's what they're saying. Their research is borne out that again, the more rigid and narrow your definition of appropriate male gender roles are, the more, psychological distress you experience with these things and therefore the more likely you are to you know have these negative outcomes now they are kind of positing that the men who exhibit these negative outcomes it is because they are rigidly adhering to certain things right and, and that's, therefore that's, that's where i would have the problems. question right yeah and, and i think there is there is some question about that and i and overall reading through this i would say that i i feel like it's probably I mean, I wouldn't say that they're coming out and claiming that every single person that ever commit man that commits an act of violence or commits suicide, it, this is the reason. But they're claiming that it's mostly or a large portion of it, at least. That's that's kind of the hypothesis that they're running on throughout the entire thing. And I don't necessarily know that that is. I mean, they they have some research to back it up, but there's other research that suggests that just the way all men always have been. You know, I mean, you're you're more biologically dispositioned to be more aggressive, right? Just overall. Sure. So, so even if we control for all the other attempt things, it's going to be aggressive. Right, exactly. Or you are going to if something bothers you, you're going to respond in a more aggressive manner just just across the board. Now, if you are socialized to know that that stuff is not appropriate or to learn how to deal with those feelings appropriately, you're probably less likely to be aggressive, but still maybe more aggressive than a woman would be who's also had the same socialization, right? So I do think that's a legitimate criticism, but I think that can we agree that rigidly adhering to certain male norms and they, and they define those. And I'll read that here in a second that they talk about the general like masculine norm rigidly adhering to any gender norms. What we're talking about men specifically is kind of the Genesis for a certain subset of psychological problems, whether that would connect out to, you know, violence or whatever might be in question, but 
Well, I, I would say that, okay, I don't think that the problem is necessarily masculine norms. I would say that rigidly adhering to a yes. set of externally ex, uh, uh, externally imposed standards is evidence of an unrealized individual. And so I would buy that more for boys than I would for men. By the time you are an adult, I think that you should have your own standard. This is my standard for adults, right? Um, so, you know, my, <laughs> the, the, the Grant Vickery version of this document, which is equally, right. equally prescriptive and problematic. Um, <laughs> but I think that you have to have an understanding of who you are as an individual, independent of your gender, your sex, your sexuality, any of those things, right? Like you need to know what it means to be a good person and a good individual. And that needs to be your standard. Right, and, and that, that shouldn't change based on all those factors you just described. No, and if that if that standard is coming from you know the the John Wayne movies that you watched as a, a kid or that you still watch, then that's a problem. Not that I have a problem with John Wayne, just as oh, an John aside. John Wayne's awesome. I love John. Yeah, yeah. the John Duke Wayne is movies the man. are great. Yeah, yeah. Cow- Cowboys is like the best movie ever. Right with the kids. No, yeah. Oh, yes, that's a great so one. Good. Nobody should smoke as much as he did. Because uh, you won't live as long as he did. <laughs> right. Three three packs a day is a bit much for anybody. Or was it like a carton? Of, I don't even remember. He'd probably the, still be alive 200 years from now if he never smoked, right? I think <laughs> that he was just genetically superior in every way. He was but so no, manly. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I agree. And I think that probably the bad writing you were talking about, maybe, I think a little bit of what we have discussed where there is this backlash, right, against these norms. And I... You know, and then therefore we don't necessarily replace it with anything good, male norms. I do think that a great way to describe that, and they kind of get at that, and I do think it gets lost in this document, but it's a great thing for us to discuss, is that it's not so much these ideals, most of them. And I would even argue that some of the stuff we call toxic masculinity, and we've talked about this before, you're either abdicating the responsibility that goes along with that ideal, and now you're left with just privilege, basically, right? Right, right. Or some sort of entitlement, or it is kind of like the shadow side of it right it's like this this in excess or this without restraint or something is bad right so we talk about aggression right you know being assertive is a good thing being aggressive to the point of violence or just being a big jerk right is a bad thing so so i think that's an interesting idea that no matter what your standard is if you rigidly adhere to it or i say standard no matter what your like gender role norm is um if it is prescriptive and narrow and you are rigidly adhered to it you're going to experience these problems and that is not unique to men although men tend to have a narrower field and adhere more rigidly to those roles um for a lot of reasons right and and that's what you're talking to i think about earlier right the the moving of society towards more permissive and open-mindedness as far as those things are concerned and maybe we're just lagging behind would that yeah, that that would yeah. be fair. I would summarize by saying rigid adherence to a standard is a sign of stunted development. And as a caveat, the standards for men are particularly dangerous when they are enacted by someone with stunted development. Definitely. And, and just for context, what they're talking about when they say they call it masculine ideology, um, which take that for whatever you will. But um, they're, they're saying it is descriptive. We've talked about that. Prescriptive and proscriptive of cognitions about What's boys di- and men. Can you tell me the difference between I, no, prescriptive I was hoping, and proscriptive? I, I was hold ho- on, I'm Googling it. No, I was hoping you will. You're the you're the guy who words good around here. So I was hoping you could tell me. Um, while Pres- you do that. Prescriptive wait. is sensitive to positive outcomes. Proscriptive is sensitive to negative. Out- oh my God. 
Are you serious? <laughs> Necessary, right? Okay, so we Good can just Lord. say this pretty much all across all of academic writing is that it is a slog, right? So um, bear with me, though, because this little bit, it gets better after that sentence. Um, okay. Although there are differences in masculinity ideologies, they admit, there is a particular constellation of standards, I do think that's a good turn of phrase, that have held sway over large segments of the population, including anti-femininity, so anything feminine is negative and you shouldn't act like that, and right, we see that, like, you can't play with dolls, right, because dolls are for girls. Uh, achievement, which is a good thing, right, until you become a workaholic and neglect your other your family. Uh, issue of appearance of weakness, okay, just what we talked about, right, I don't report how badly I'm feeling to my doctor because it makes me look like a wimp but secretly my gallbladder is exploding, right? That's not a good thing. <laughs> That's the bad side of it. Um, adventure, risk, and violence, all things that are good and or sometimes necessary, but of course, outside of the right, the wrong, excuse me, outside of the right context can be bad and or dangerous, right? So th those all make sense. Those kind of fit with that John Wayne, right? Like is all of those things, um, right? But uh, it says these have been collectively referred to as a traditional masculinity ideology. Uh, um. And so that's, I think, what they're talking about. Like, if that's where we're starting with our standards and you are not permitted to move outside of this and or must meet these standards, and very rigidly so. Like, not like, oh, you can almost kind of get there. Or, you know, being good at book learning is another way of achieving. And it's like, no, it's all about your dollars or something. Or like having having a loving relationship and you are content with your life. Well, if you don't drive a car as nice as someone else, maybe, you know, or you're not promoted as often as the guy next door, then you're not as much of a man as him. Right. Yeah, that's, I, that's kind of what they're getting at. Right. You, you're so rigidly and narrowly defining things that it is negatively impacting you. Um, sure. I, my question is, who is the who is the man they're talking about that actually thinks this? That's, well, that's what I want to know, because I, I think a lot of I mean, I would say a lot I, of us. I don't I don't think so. Let me let me let me give you a, sure. a, an example and then I'll talk about why I have a, a particular issue with this. Steven Pinker wrote. I recommended you this book. Steven Pinker wrote a book. Um Oh, what's it called? It's on writing. No one cares except for me. Something about taste, I think, is in the title, right? Uh, uh, sense of style. Sense. Sense, sense of, of style. style. It does talk about taste to a degree, right? Sense of style. And in Sense of Style, one of the things that Steven Pinker, who, who is a psycholinguistic uh, degrees in psych, like neuropsychology and linguistics, uh, talks about is how composition teachers who spend all of their time talking about grammar rules and where to put the commas, they don't really know what they're talking about, Okay. That is true of composition teachers 70 years ago. That's not, nobody does that now. Like there's a ton of research and everybody knows it doesn't work. Right? So the, pers yeah. the person that Stephen King is talking, Stephen King, Stephen Pinker is talking about doesn't exist anymore. Okay. And I, I know a, a, a bunch of people based on where I grew up and where I was raised, who we would con we would call like traditionally masculine, right? These are people who, they're, they're men whose wives didn't work, you know, who uh, their, their wives raised the children and they went to work and they earned the money and their idea of a good time is going and sitting in a duck blind and roughing it. And they're not going to express their emotions particularly well, right? They're, they're cliches. They wouldn't wear pink, right? They, like, these these men that that I know from growing up are what we would consider the cliche that they're talking about. And every single one of these men, if you asked them, if you said, "Okay, you and a, a hypothetical scenario, you and your wife are both working, but you lose your job and your wife earns good money and you've got little kids at home. What's the masculine thing to do? 
You ask any of those men what the answer is, and they say, you may not like it, but you take as best care of those kids as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. They, would all, they would all say that. And so there might be a little bit of cognitive dissonance between their, their total view of this is what men should do and this is what I'm doing. But if we look at, um, I'm trying to find, where was where's that section that you were just reading from? Masculinity That's ideology. A, yes, right? yes, yes. Okay. So here, here's the things that they, they mention as part of that standard ideology of masculinity, which we, the word ideology is incredibly loaded, but anti-femininity, achievement, a shul of the appearance of weakness, and adventure risk and violence. Adventure risk and violence being grouped together as one net unit, by the way, huge problems with that, first of all. Second of all, let's take out anti-femininity because I think that's bad, right? Like sometimes feminine stuff is great. You know, I love my cucumber lemon water. Right, but they're not making the argument that this is what should be or whatever. They're saying these are the pretty much hallmarks of the prototypical like man's man. Do you think that these things are mentioned in a positive light? Oh, in this thing? Yeah. Um, some no, okay. So yeah, some of these words probably have a more negative connotation or whatever. But I don't like. Okay, I guess I'm not understanding what your the thrust of your argument is. So. Okay, so the th- the thrust of my argument here is is this basically. So let's take out anti femininity as something that I think of is bad, and I think that that probably also is real and exists and is like that's not a good thing. Okay, let's let's throw that out for a second. Let's look at the rest of this list. Achievement, eschewal of the appearance of weakness, and adventure risk and violence, which are group- those three are grouped as one, right? Mm-hmm. So these traits are, if, if, we, if we take a different like sort of linguistic approach to them or a different rhetorical approach and we want to like cast them positively, we would say strength, achievement. Achievement is fine. It, it, that's, that's, it's, so, it's such an anathema to me to the rest of the things in this list, right? But I think what, they're, what they mean here is a kind of, capitalist adherence to you know this money grubbing you know scrooge mcduck character but achievement strength and a willingness to go on like go and being take a risk go on an adventure right do something big all of those to me are incredibly positive things right you right all you so your to- argument isn't that this is not the standard or this isn't the standard like masculine ideology you're saying you have an issue with how they're you feel like they're construing it negatively only or, or well, mostly it's, negative. It's a bunch it's a bunch, of, it's a bunch right? of euphemisms, right? Although there are differences in masculine ideologies, there is a particular constellation of standards, agreed, great phrase, that have held sway over large segments of the population. Who do you think they're talking about? You think they're talking about the guy that's like, you know what, I'm a vegan for ethical reasons and I only vote for Bernie Sanders and everything. Like I vote like they're not talking about that guy. Well, no, but they're not claiming to talk about that. They're talking again about people who exist within that constellation who rigidly adhere to it, right? Like I'm saying I my my point is that they're what they're doing is they're using a euphemism to say, by the way, hicks are idiots and they'll keep killing themselves until they become not hicks. That's that's what I think they're saying here. That's I think if you read between the lines, I think that's what they're saying. And I think that's the problem with this document is that nobody who wrote this document knows anybody outside of their own circle. Nobody who wrote this document has any contact with somebody who is conservative, which Jonathan Haidt and the Heterodox Academy can attest to that. That is accurate. They, I, I mean, how many of these people do you think go to church? How many of these people do you think hunt? Right. I'm, I'm going to go with none, none, and none. 
for all of those. Sure, but they're pulling this not from their own experience. They're pulling this from research in the general population. Sure, they're pulling they're pulling it from research in the general population, but what they're saying is we know why this is happening. I don't think they know why it's happening. I they they are I I I don't I don't believe that they know why it's happening. I I just don't. I think I think that there are a there are innumerable explanations and there are a ton let let me let me stop myself there because I actually want to ask you a question. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm I'm soapboxing and that's not good for podcasting. Uh, it's just a bad idea. Um. And I should also pause at this point to say I think this document needs to be written. I just don't think it needs to be written this way. Um, okay. And I think that the people who Which wrote it, it probably had a good intentions and b. If they knew anyone who would raise the complaints that I raised would have written it differently and would have been sympathetic to that. I don't think they're bad people. I think they're isolated people. Um, but let, let me ask you this question. If you were going to, well, what do you think the ideal goal of this document should be? Not what it is necessarily, but based on the information that, that's in this document, the APA's guidelines for uh, boys and men and best practices what do you think the goal of the document should be? It's a series of questions. So answer that one. I'll ask you the next question. Yeah. I think the goal of any document with that title ought to be to give you the relevant data, trends, all that kind of stuff that have been collected among that population, which is such a broad population. And they actually, they do as they an do. aside. Yes. They talk about a lot of other diverse populations within that as well. But to give you the context and the data to say this is typically what's going to walk in your office when you deal with this. These are a lot of the common issues and things to look for when dealing with men. So, for example, if we're going to say that most men are averse to reporting difficulties and are averse to any kind of mental health for whatever reason, right? Then you would say, okay, most are like that. Let me avoid confirming whatever assumptions they have as much as possible, Right. And if you're not someone that's walking into my door with all those kinds of assumptions, then it's not going to be a problem for you if I'm using sure. certain language. Right. And so, and so that would be like a positive example of that. Like I want you to give me usable information so which I can then examine my own practice as a psychologist or a counselor or whatever. Right. Person that works with men at all in any kind of helping capacity um, to say, is there anything I'm doing that's feeding into some of this stuff or it's reinforcing it or is just unaware of it that I would then change in light of this. Right. Like it, right. it ought to give you that idea. Maybe it gives you some suggestions too, but if your goal is just guidelines, it's like, Hey, here's what's out there. You ought to know about it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great goal. I, I, I have zero problems with that goal whatsoever. I think that's an incredible goal. And I think it's a necessary goal because I would, despite the cliche agree, we're in crisis with men. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so the, the, my follow-up question is how would you approach trying to achieve that goal in a document? I mean, I think I would, you know, outline the data that supports or I, not support. See, I'm already, yeah, I would just out what, what is the data appear to be saying about what most men are like, what most men experience in their lives? What are most of the negative, you know, issues that they are dealing with? And if there are any connections between those things, what they appear to be. Okay. So, you know? Yeah. So I would, I, no, yeah. I, I think, I think that's a perfectly fine document. Yeah. My problem with these guidelines is honestly, a, it's a rhetorical problem of style that 
I, and and this could be pure projection, but there is there there exists in some branches of academia an explicit and unapologetic anti-male sentiment that and I know it exists because that is the branch of academia that I'm in. And so when someone uses the same language, the same sentence structure, the same vocabulary as that branch, it does it definitely does raise my hackles. You you, you said that my hackles yeah. were raised and I was trying to not have a, like explicitly raised hackles, but <laughs> you know, I, I am I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or, or not before, but at Georgia State, there are 93 people in my cohort. I am the only person willing to admit to being a Republican. And I've heard other people say, no, 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 there, there's another one. But whoever, <laughs> but whoever they are, they He's only incognito. tell people in confidence. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm serious. Or she, I should say. Or, but, or she, know. right. And in, in all likelihood, it is a she because I'm like, there are very few men in this program and they're... To my knowledge, I'm the only I'm the only open Republican, right? The other Republican is in the closet. So that's the, that's the world that I tend to operate in. So I think that I probably react to this intensely, comparatively to to the way that most people would. Um, yeah, well, I think that's a great case study for a little bit exactly what they're kind of talking about is something that men face because now what you the world you live in at work and school is a different to use their phrase, right, constellation of standards of what men should think and do and say and be, right? Oh, oh sure, sure. And well, if the other people in your in your circles are rigidly adhering to those ideas, right, and then you fall outside of that, then you suffer negative consequences as a result of the way that they act towards you, which I'm not saying to argue in for the whole entire like way they've constructed the No, but that particular part of the document, I think, is pretty fair and pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so I, I would say overall that... I would agree with you that there is a lot of anti-men sentiment out there because of the things we've talked about before. We haven't replaced it with something positive or recognized the positive that exists. And that's my chief criticism of this document. They do mention at, at certain points in it that, hey, you know, these things aren't just bad on the face of it. It's what we've just talked about when you rigidly adhere to a narrow definition of it. If achievement is only one kind of achievement and any failure to, to, to get there is a failure not just in like that specific context, but you as a man, that's bad. Right. But the drive to to do better and to compete and succeed and to do your best in everything you do is obviously not a bad thing. Right. Uh, I don't think right. they do enough talking about this in this specific document. I don't think we do enough about that as a society. We had talked when we were preparing for this about some just kind of things out there in popular culture, like TV shows or ads that kind of prepare, you know, display this attitude. And I think there's a lot of it where it's like. And, and not that we don't need the message, like, hey, this is an unacceptable way for men to act that was acceptable for a long time. Like, don't be Don Draper, right? Like, that's not cool anymore. <laughs> Even though Don Draper is set up to be the super cool guy and he appears and he hits a lot of these things, right? That's actually not cool anymore, right? But right. you can go He's too the far the other way where you're like, literally everyone engages in this all the time and you are a horrible person because of it. And, you know there's not a lot of those other things championing championing that and and maybe that's me responding to something i'm perceiving as feminine or whatever i don't know you know or maybe that's me uh not liking to be criticized a little bit and we've talked about this before too that both of us kind of you know you feel that a little bit when you're like well are you talking about me because i don't do that kind of stuff right uh right. but 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 i so i would agree with you there and, and and beyond just this document i think i think we've both agreed that they outline an issue, and this is a reputable source with research backing up their claims. Like this is an actual thing, not something you and I made up, right? That the narratives 
around men are either too constraining or just not kind of really there at all. Right. Yeah. And yes. That it that, that it's a big problem. Now, if we were going to continue talking for like another hour, we might talk about what the specific guidelines they have. I'm less interested in that and more just the idea that like, you know, when that, when I realized when I started reading about this and realized this was a thing, it was like, well, how nice to see that someone has recognizing what a lot of us are feeling. Right. That it's like, yeah. I have a way that I'm trying to live. And but everyone seems to be telling me that it's wrong. And there's either a disconnect between what is actually right and wrong and what I believe is right and wrong. Or there's a disconnect between like what I'm trying to achieve and what people are seeing when I'm trying to achieve that. Does that make sense? Like I'm trying to li- be the best version of myself and everyone just looks at that and like you're being toxically male because you say you want to provide for your wife or something like that. I, sure, you know, sure. Or whatever. And it's like, well, no, that's fine. My wife can provide for us too or whatever, but I still feel a drive to do that because I'm a man and a man should want to provide for his wife. Well, that, you know, in a broader, more egalitarian interpretation you should both be doing that for each other, right? Yeah, it's not everyone should purview. want to give the best of themselves to the people that they love. That's not right. a hard like and if, sell. And if your desire to do that is construed as a negative socialization that is causing you mental illness or the risk of mental illness, <laughs> then what are you supposed to do, right? right. And, and, and so there's not enough out there to support, hey, these things are good in certain contexts. And I also think that there are some other pretty bad narratives that are not put out there by some mental health professionals sure but just pop culture is a terrible barometer for any kind of moral fiber right because it's all just trying to sell you something any kind of anything yeah they don't care i think we were talking i was like you know gillette would have people dressed up in hoods white hoods and capes in front of burning crosses that they thought it would make them the most money right yeah yeah, so they don't actually care about it none of these you know same thing with like singers and songwriters. I mean, I know they all have personal beliefs or whatever, but also like they're gonna they're gonna do what uh, they, makes the money they too. Don't they're human memes. They so, don't have so, any beliefs. So I guess my point and kind of the last thing that I have is that, like what you've described, like your experience right there, that's exactly I think what I want to talk about more. Um, and kind of what do you do in response to that when you feel like the world is against you in some way. And and this is anecdotal, but I know a lot of guys, myself included sometimes, who feel like that a little bit of a way. You know, there's there's at least sure. one aspect of who they are that they feel like has been unfairly construed as negative. And probably every person that's ever lived feels that way, but on but on this kind of large scale, which is, you know, that kind of socio-political thing you're talking about that is surrounding gender. Does that make sense, what it, I'm saying? It de- yeah, it, okay, I, it definitely does. It's like, you know, you're being maligned, and what do you do in response to that, right? And and the desire, like, you want to be, you, you want to be aggressive against it, right? Like, oh, you think I'm this way, and that it's bad? Let me show you better, right? Um, that's that's kind of the feeling that I get sometimes, right? You you hate the way that I am in this way? Okay, well, let me show you how it can be a good way. I yeah. And, I might and, end up cutting to, that because it's not very clear. Well, to to support your point, too, I, I'm gonna, I'll take a couple quotes and points from this. Um, and then if you have anything else to add. Yeah, I got I'll one go more there. thing. And, and, and I think that this accurately describes, because even like you said, I think that there are, even without a charitable reading, I think that it is clear that they have good intentions. They want to address an unaddressed need, which is the mental health needs and learning needs. They talk in here about how like boys are more likely than girls to be diagnosed with learning disabilities. Right. But we know it's not just because, you know, boys are dumber than girls. It's like something else is going on here. Right. Like there's all these things that either aren't well enough explained or maybe we can't explain them and we need to address them. So 
there's this quote. They, they, well, they talk in part of it about how sexism negatively affects men, which is something you probably wouldn't hear ever you don't hear on that Facebook or Twitter. Certainly not in the departments that I run in, yeah. Right. Now, a lot of times that's from one man to another, but it's not only that, of course. Well, well no, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's the idea of exactly what we've just talked about, like, and that you experience, right? It's like, it's like you don't fit what our definition of this is, and therefore we're mad at you and we're going to treat you badly. Or you're down on yourself because of it in some way, right? Um, right. Uh, so, so that's a thing they talk about at length about how it negatively affects men in all these different contexts. But then they have this, and I'm going to quote directly from it. And this part really kind of bothers me because I don't think I think they're doing exactly what we're talking about, which is not doing enough to talk about the other the other positive side of it or to offer any kind of alternative. They basically say, "Don't socialize your boys this way." And socialization for conforming to traditional masculinity ideology has been shown, which. It, it's been shown, right? There's been research to limit male psychological development, constrain their behavior, result in gender role strain, which is where you feel, you know, trapped by ideology and gender role conflict uh, and negatively influence mental and physical health. But that's just a blanket statement. Any socialization towards conforming to traditional masculinity has done that. There's yeah, no talk that's about way the, too it, broad, right? Right, and I agree with that too because I think that to say, and in the, again later in the document they kind of contradict themselves and say, "Hey, there's there's good stuff." So, but but this idea of like even the professionals are kind of struggling with where's the appropriate acceptance of some of these things that have been at the core of a lot of societal inequity for a long time, right? But also that has you know then negatively affected the people. You might have benefited socially or you got to vote earlier or you got paid more right as a man but you've also paid for that with you know heart disease and (laughs) being better at suicide you know what i mean like there's the negative consequences for you too oh god well no but that's horrifying no but that's what that's how horrifying it is right (laughs) yeah like this is this is your wages for this kind of thing and so even the professionals are having a hard time uh like yeah, well, figuring out where that balance is right. between you, those you critique. I think that's a that your critique is very fair, and I, I think your reading on it is probably significantly better than mine for two reasons. One, this is your field, so you know a lot more about this than I do. Um, and two, because uh, to a degree, my reaction is based on the context I'm in, which is such a unique and bizarre context, where one place that I work, I'm the flaming liberal. Right at the private Christian school where I work, I'm like the weird out there liberal guy. And then at the other place where I work, it's like, oh, that's the guy who's the Nazi, right? And it's like, I'm not a Nazi. I just don't want to kill rich people. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm I'm in a pretty unique and bizarre con- context. I will say that I think it's probably fair at this point for me to say something really good about the document because I I think I'm more anti at this point, and you're probably more pro. But I've, if you said what you think is not good about it, I think it's fair for me to say and what I, I think would, is great I about would it. say I'm 50-50, but continue. Well, There's, I haven't spoken as much about my, my negative stuff because I think you've summed up a lot of it pretty well. But And because I'm just prone to criticizing things just as a rule, you know. Well, you, uh, you said that. That's your method for truth finding. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so one of the positive things about this document, we actually talked about this last night when you kept me up super late by texting me over and over again about <laughs> science. Um, and I'm still mad at you and a little sleepy, <laughs> but, um, within this document, if you track down the citations, like they, they cite things, right. And if you yes. go, if you go to Google scholar and if you have like a, a .edu login, you can, you know, check the Galileo or whatever. If you go and look at these citations, a lot of the major claims for these citations, I really agree with like, um, 
one of the early ones and one of the ones they cite a lot, it starts with the uh, Plek, right? So yes, this, yes uh, he's uh, in there a lot. Yeah, they cite Plek over and over and over again. And one of Plek's primary contentions is that men are violent when they don't have other men to set examples for them. In households yes. that have fathers who are stable and present, men tend not to be violent, right? So that's a point that I think every like conservative, uh, uh, you know, that st stereotypical right-wing individual would be like, yeah, men need men to set examples for themselves. And you get that in the citations. So I think what you have is probably a base from what, what all these people are reading that's pr relatively balanced. You know, I think I think their their base level research and the like citations that they have, if you go and read them, I think you'd walk away from that with a relative level of balance. But I think that what's confusing the issue is the fact that the language that we use to talk about gender and to talk about gender relationships and gender relations and power and uh, privilege, that language is so steeped in a political bog that the result is it's impossible to talk about these things without coming down on one side of the political spectrum or another. So the neutrality that you can find by looking at the sources that they've used to produce this document is not present in their phrasing of those sources. And that is a response to, in part, their audience, right? Because their audience is going to be farther left because it's an academic thing. Um, so it's, a, it's a, a reciprocal relationship with the audience. They anticipate that and they write to that audience. And it's also because the people who are having these conversations tend to be on the left. So those are the that's the vocabulary that's available. I think if you look at the sources right, and the sense. research itself, it comes out much more balanced. So I have a rhetorical problem with the document as it's expressed here. I think if I had a long, drawn-out conversation with the like 90 people who contributed to it, <laughs> I probably would not disagree with them on too much. And I don't think that they would have bad points to make. I right. just think that they don't have the words to to make those points. And I don't think they have enough contact with the people who fall into their um, bodies of research. Right, the, pe the people are talking about, I don't think they know them well enough to talk about them in a way that wouldn't be offensive to them. I think that's Absolutely. the primary issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I'm glad you make that point because I think that leads in directly to what I think I want to talk about next time because we've had a really freewheeling kind of conversation around this document as a backdrop, but because it's there's, hey, here's some hard data to su suggest and support some of the issues that we've been talking about, right? So what I'd like to do next time is come back with specific examples, whether it's just in our lives or really in media, because I think that there's a lot of stuff, especially with social media, it's so easy to see what's kind of like and because everybody's on it right now, it's not a, it's not a thing like it was 20 years ago where it was only college students. It's literally everybody. Old, right. young, minority, majority, like rich, poor, doesn't matter. Everybody's on Facebook. Everybody's on Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. You know, there's 800 million of them now. And they're all the same thing. So whatever. Everybody but me, I should say, is on all of these things because I've purged all this from my life. But it's easy to go and see what captures people's attention. Sure. Right? So things in the pop culture have done, I'd love to talk about those kind of examples for exactly what you've talked about, where there's something good maybe underlying here, but the way that you have communicated it communicates also all this other stuff that is kind of defeating 
of what your message is, or I should say the way that people are perceiving it. Because again, if it's from a corporation, the message is buy our crap and not their crap, right? That, that, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, like the APA is not really selling anything here. No, no, no. I'm saying like, you know, if, if we have an ad from Nike that's saying girl power, like Nike doesn't give a crap about men or women <laughs> no, or they whoever. don't. You know, if, if dogs could buy their shoes, they'd market to dogs too. It doesn't matter, right? Right. Um, it's why, it's why, uh, um, Michael Jordan never endorsed a political candidate, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I highly doubt he doesn't have a political opinion in his body, but the man was the most popular athlete on the planet for, like, decades. Also, Michael Jordan might not have a political opinion in his body. I think Michael Jordan only speaks money. Yeah, right, and being really freaking good at basketball. So, all all I was to say, though, even if the, the author of something may or may not have, may have a different intent when like millions of people like and retweet and share something, right? There's something in that message that they're latching onto. So I'd love to talk a little bit about like, where are some examples of this kind of thing? where like, here's this messaging that a lot of people are into. And I kind of find it problematic for the exact reasons we've talked about in this episode, right? That there's a lot of political or assumptions or negative connotations to things that aren't necessarily negative or political or shouldn't be political maybe, but also that you're kind of, missing the underlying cause in order to maybe push one agenda or another or to jump on something in the immediate um, cultural moment. That'd be more in the social media than the academic side. But I I totally agree with you that there's, in this, as a backdrop, this APA document, there is a lot of, you know, skipping over some things that well, just like I said, not focusing on the positives as much or the, the, the counter sides of what this masculine ideology might have to offer versus sure. only the way that it contributes negatively. Because just like you just said, right? Like, if most men are feeling this way or feeling constrained by this, but, you know, having a father makes you less violent than like, okay, I've been socialized negatively by this. There might be some negative outcomes, but there's also some positive ones because I'm not beating people up, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I, it, I think- it's, it's a little more nuanced and maybe I think that they kind of construe it in this. Yeah, I, I think we can say that at, at the very least that what the APA has done is provide us a very good like beginning talking point and not just like you and me, but like culturally. Yeah. There's a lot people were kicking this around to have major institutional endorsement of the idea that we need to talk about what's going on with masculinity and not just in a wireman bad kind of way. Like yeah. okay, thanks APA for having the the gall and the insight to say that call an insight well i did say that i had mixed feelings anyway thanks for listening to this episode of two dads named grant in our next episode grant and i are going to talk about god terms and devil terms as well as the politically fraught realm of word reclamation thanks